Aloha, this is Matt from the Brilliant Ox. My stupid boss forced me to do this, and this is the worst experience of my life. I want to take a moment before we do the podcast. I want to talk about my new favorite thing. Okay. This, this flask cap. Oh, yeah. This is the coolest yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were showing me that the other day. This is the coolest thing. I saw this. It was advertised to me on Instagram, and I thought, I need this in my life. So I bought two. I bought one for me and my wife. It's essentially a discreet way to keep your alcohol with you when you're doing everyday things. But it's not a flask. No. It, it goes on to like your hydro flask, whatever. Yeah. whatever. So your hydro flask tumbler or your Yeti tumblers, everybody's got one yeah, now, yeah. right? Whatever it is, you're drinking your water in all day long. Yeah. So you go to the beach, you're not it's really bad form to go to the beach with like liquor visible. Is you know? it though? You can't go out there and start pouring Tito's on the beach into your glass because then you're totally Sure that, would be great if I could though. But you can't. But you can now with the flask cap, because this is cool. It's a cap that discreetly holds five ounces of liquor in the lid. And you just put it on any one of your existing tumblers. And so you'll grab the tumbler, you fill it with ice, you put Coca-Cola in it, and everybody sees you putting Coca-Cola in it, and that's it. And they're like, oh, I'm look, only drinking Coke. I'm, drinking I'm only Coke. drinking Coke. Nothing to see here. Move along. Right? And then you put the lid on, and there's a button on top of the lid, and you just push it. It dispenses an ounce of your favorite liquor into your Coke. Oh, my goodness. So now I've got a Jack and Coke. I can push the button all five times, though, if I want, Absolutely. You lush. (laughs) You can. Okay. (laughs) Well, now we're getting somewhere. It's great. It has made beach time so much more fun for me. It works really well, too. It's really well made. It's made in the USA. In fact, they they made it. A couple of, uh, of hipsters in Montana made this thing. And they're selling it now on the internets, and it's fantastic. It's called Flaskap, F-L-A-S-K-A-P. Flaskap. And, and it holds five ounces of liquor. What more do you want? I mean, I, I need this in my life is what I need. I could, be, I could be drinking this right now as we speak. If you want one, we are going to give you one. What? At the end I of this one. episode. Listen, at the end of this episode, we're going to tell you how you can win your very own flask cap and make your life five ounces cooler. <laughs> hello, hello. Good Wednesday afternoon. Welcome to the Maleco and Flash podcast. It is Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. Hope you're having a good afternoon because we've got a great show for your Wednesday evening. Our guest today, his weekly column on Legend. the scene is the Sunday Star Advertiser must read for the entertainment and hospitality scene. Hawaii's preeminent entertainment and nightlife writer for over the past 45-plus years. He's written more than a handful of positive comments about Flash and Maleko. Lots Lots of bribes going on. Frankly, we owe this man a lot, probably with our careers. He's uh, John Berger, a.k.a. the Man in Black, now the iconic John Berger trademark look. We're all wearing black today, by the way, uh, in honor of John. Uh, one of us is. One of, well, one of us is. <laughs> Super CW even dressed up like him one Halloween. All she had to do was wear all black head to toe. Uh, and uh, she had the the hat with the little the like the old school like press. Oh, the press, yeah. The thing coming out of the hat, she, she yeah. Did. And and his little his man purse. <laughs> We're gonna talk about all that yeah. right now, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome John Berger, legend, a legend in the entertainment scene in Hawaii. How awesome to have you here. John, of course, is normally the interviewer, so he is going to be judging us by every question we ask. She was on the other foot, John. <laughs> That's so true. 
Do you feel like a loss of control? Like, are you, like, freaking out? I'm not freaking out, but it's a very, very different experience to have somebody else asking me questions Ha-ha. instead of knowing what I'm going to ask. That's right. <laughs> well, good, because we don't know what we're going to ask you. We're just going to We never do. It. We're going to wing it. Uh, now, Joe, b- before we go any further, um, the black on black, uh, what's your wardrobe look like, your closet? Will you open it up, or is it just all black Long sleeve shirts and black pants. And some, as they get older, they start to fade to gray. So in the back of the closet, you've got some kind of lighter. You've got the faded ones. Yeah, faded okay. in the back, yeah. Uh, That's the shirt that Maleko is wearing yeah, right exactly. now. Exactly, faded, faded gray. I yes. know. Um, actually, my, my black clothing fades quickly. So you must you must shop for black a lot. Yeah, it, it, takes, it takes a lot to keep fresh black going yeah is there a secret because i know sh- no i haven't yeah. found it just keep just keep buying cold new water stuff. cold uh, water helps but and and like not putting it in the dryer maybe no, right no i dry dry my clothes yeah okay but if you dry nobody, it nobody that wears helps it wet fade. clothes flash no, you guys, nobody wants to wear wet clothes you know what i mean no no one knows what you mean <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like any other day of my life cool <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember when you started wearing all black? Like one day, one day you put this on and you said, this is me? Well, I was attracted to black for quite a few years. Oh, so was I, John, from my college days on. <laughs> what really got me into it, though, when I was doing television with Cynthia Yip in the 1980s, ah. and we would shoot some segments out of order, like we'd shoot some segments early in the week to run later in the week, and just sort of for continuity's sake, it was more convenient just to wear the same color every day. And black is a very, very practical color for clothing. Yeah. And it looks damn good, and especially on you, sir. That's very kind of you, but uh, it looks better. on. There are some other people who wear it better, I think. There is not no, there is no <laughs> other person in Honolulu that it pulls off black all the time, all the time. Um, all but there, the time. All the time. But there was one occasion where you wore all white. And it was for a special uh, uh, a feature segment or feature. That's uh, true. Uh, uh, I was... Uh, on the cover of of Midweek, Midweek was doing a feature story for me on me, and uh, the editor at the time, Don Chapman, had this concept: if you wear white, everybody will talk about it. And six years later, we're talking about yeah, it. That's so true. And so we got everything in white, and I went down to uh, the Hawaii Theater, and they let me use one of their rooms to change. And I went outside just long enough for the photographer to get all the pictures. And as soon as they were done, I went back in the room and got back into back, black. Get back you, into really? Yours. That's true. You, yeah. just, you couldn't, you just couldn't, True did you story. feel like weird, like out of your element uh, or feels not yourself? When I wear white, and if I have a white sleeve shirt on, I notice my arms moving. The white kind of catches my eye, uh-huh. so it is kind of a different feeling. Interesting. Because you're out at night all the time, and they're all black. It's yeah. like your ninja camouflage. Well, I remember distinctively having conversations with you at Flash and Matty Boy's uh, Hana Hana Room Days at Skyline. And occasionally they would do the white party. And uh, I remember at least a couple of times, I was like, hey, John, the white party's next week. You're going to be here. And you said, I can't. I can't come. Absolutely. I, I, I will I, not be wearing I actually one. had that same. I know that you. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Had says, that same I, conversation. I won't be here for that party. Yeah. So you didn't get any coverage for the it's white party. It's a hard parties. no, Flash. <laughs> well, the problem is if everybody else is wearing white and they've paid who knows how much money for the privilege of being surrounded by people who are only wearing white, mm-hmm. I would be spoiling the experience even if you, Flash, or Maddie or the doorman were wearing some other color. It would be like if there was an all-nude party and somebody said, well, I'll come to the all-nude party, but I'm going to wear clothing. Oh, yeah, that's not okay. Again, that that's... Can't like, be the only clothed guy Boy, to make if it I fun. had a nickel. <laughs> 
I think in now in hindsight, it would have been so funny to tell John, you know what? Come to the come to the white party. Wearing all wear all black. Yeah, I think it would have been awesome. He wouldn't have done it. Yeah, wouldn't have done it. Twenty twenty so, hindsight. I, I guess you're also not ever going to Le Dine en Blanc then, probably. That's I the, strongly don't think so. Yeah, probably not. No, we'll wait for the Le Dine en Blanc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 So you've been a crown drinker for as long as as we've been friends, maybe even longer. Uh, today that changes. Why crown and never anything else? Well, I I occasionally will drink something else, but the reason I'm I drink that particular brand is when I was in high school, the two beverages were Primo Beer, the original Primo Beer, okay. and Seagram Seven Crown. And the, the sort of the ultimate status symbol back in those days was to have an empty gallon bottle of Seagram Seven Crown in your <laughs> in your bedroom. Yeah. Because in those days they sold they sold uh, alcohol by gallons instead of by liters. Yeah, the jug with the handle. Yeah. yeah. And when I got into the business, so shortly after I got into the business, Bill Walton, who was a nightclub owner here back in the 70s, said, John, if you're going to drink that stuff, drink the good stuff. And so I, I went to Crown Royal. So you switched from the Seagrams to Crown. Yeah, which is which is another beverage by the same company. Yeah. But that's a smart choice, I think. That's a, If you're going to be drinking one thing... Yeah. That's a pretty good... Flash will drink Kamchatka vodka off the bottom well, shelf there at the are other bodega. Things, <laughs> there are other things I'm certainly willing to try. But <laughs> when you're drinking something on the rocks, if you're drinking something on the rocks or something straight out of the bottle, yeah. any bartender can fix that. True. You you don't need hard a, to screw that. You up. don't need a talented bartender, and there are very very there are lots of talented bartenders and mixologists, and the the term mixologist has been explained to me, so I understand what that is. But anybody <laughs> anybody Epis- can 16, John. anybody can pour a shot of Crown Royal or any other liquor. Uh-huh. Uh, but why it's okay? So l- why isn't it a shot of something else then at this point? Bullet. Because well, I'm a, I, as as Tupac put it so well, I'm a simple man. Wow. He's a man of habit. John Berger, whitest guy I know, dropping Tupac quotes. Uh, Quoting Tupac. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of bartenders that can pour a simple crown drink into a glass with ice or maybe do something slightly more fancy, let's meet our bartender for today's episode. Flash, who have you brought us? I'm so thirsty. I've got Matt. From the Brilliant Ox. Brilliant Ox took over the old Pearl Space Mm -hmm. in Ala Moana. And Matt is making us not one, not two, but three signature cocktails today. And I do believe none of them have crown in it. So, John, we're really... (laughs) (laughs) This is a huge huge day for you, John. So, Matt, what what do we got? Come on over here. Next thing you're going to know, we're going to make John wear some red clothing today. I know. This is is like John's worst nightmare. Way out of his comfort zone. We're asking the questions. We're making him drink not crown. (laughs) All right. Wow. What do you got there, Matt? That looks beautiful. Uh, So, first up, we have actually our most popular drink at the moment. It's the uh, Ume Migos. So, uh, basically, it's a strawberry and ume margarita. We make it with Casamigos, Reposado, tequila, uh, mitoen, uh, plum liqueur, uh-huh. uh, fresh strawberry puree, wow, and ume beautiful. paste from Japan. Uh, it's a pretty gr- great drink. It's real easy to drink, but they are a little dangerous. A lot of our drinks are real easy to drink, but mm. they're very strong. <laughs> oh, I like that. So, What'd you garnish it with there? Uh, this is some fresh shiso, uh, yukari, which is a Japanese spice of dried red nori, a little bit of salt. Um, that's all along the rim. That's right all on there. the rim. Yep. 
And so a little spice when you first get the taste of it then. Uh, yeah, like a little bit of, not not too much though. It's more of a umami flavor with it. Okay. Um, so wow. It was basically inspired by Via Gelato's Ume, oh. uh, Ume Strawberry okay. Gelato. So which is delicious. So. so we just turned it into a drink, so, uh, which nice. is great. Fantastic. All right, well, why don't you hand that over to sure. John. John, you can, well, uh, you you can enjoy that. Excellent. Uh, and here at the podcast, we like to have a reason to drink. And uh, the way we do that is we come up with a word of the day. Um, and basically, anytime somebody hears the word of the day, we're going to make a lot of noise. Hey! And we're going to invite everybody to drink. Drink along at home. We'll drink at the studio. Uh, no one will drink alone. So, John, uh, suggestions for the word of the day? Music. Music. <laughs> John came to drink, Flash. There's going to be a lot of drinking going on. I, I suspect the word music is going to come up more than we know. So, we'll do that. All right, Matt, so do that it. again. Hold on. i got to get the... I gotta get the we're posting this on the socials. What's your, tell us the socials, Maleko. Oh, yeah. So if you want to see what that drink looks like, you want to see Matt's uh, uh, cocktails here, go to uh, hashtag Maleko and Flash, or you can follow at Flashy808 uh, on Twitter uh, or at DJ Maleko. Yes. All the, all, all the instas. All right. So uh, we got our drinks. We got our word of the day. Oh, boy. This is fun. This, this is, is going to be exciting. Yes. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. You know, your tolerance level for non-crown drinks will be different. I'm just just giving you fair advanced warning. You got a Flash, I'm go? always willing to try something new. Sip a, sip sip something different. Yes. Flash says that every weekend. Sip by the way is code, John, obviously. <laughs> You're definitely willing to try something different. Oh wait, I'm talking about myself. You're talking about yourself. Uh, I, I get it so confusing. It's so confusing. Uh, let's go back, John. Let's go back uh, to to before I met you, before we met you. Uh, word on the street is that you owe your career to Smokey Robinson. Is this true? Well, that's that's sort of an interesting way to put it. What happened was in 1960 or 19, 1972, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles were coming to Hawaii for their farewell tour before Smokey left the group. There was a local entertainment publication called Sunbums that had just done a review of the Supremes coming to Hawaii. Now, Sunbums at the time, not to interrupt, but to give some context, that was like, a, at that time, a very big daily or weekly well, it, publication? It, it was a bi-weekly publication. It was the local equivalent of Rolling Stone, oh. except it was free. Okay. And they ran a review of the Supremes concert that was one of these very self-indulgent piece of trash reviews. Mm where most of the review was about what the reviewer had done the day of the show. Oh, okay. And yeah, then yeah. the last paragraph was, and then I went to see the Supremes, and they were pretty good, and then I went out with my friends and got drunk. So mm. I sent a letter to some like a column by Darren. <laughs> <laughs> or like a flash Instagram story. Yeah. So I sent a letter to, to Sunbum saying that I could do a better job, and they gave me a chance, and that's how I got into the business. And because did you write the I, so, so I wrote a review of Smokey Robinson and the Miracles Farewell Concert in Hawaii. It ran in June 1972. Was this all just a guise to get free tickets to a Smokey Robinson show? No, or did you like serious. really no, I was, care about the reporting was, part of I it? I was serious about doing a better review of Smokey Robinson and the Miracles than this person had done on the Supremes. Mm. Uh, it never really occurred to me. I was, I was so, so innocent. The idea of, gee, I get free tickets was, I guess I just kind of assumed that I get free tickets. Oh, but, just like Moleko. <laughs> but it was about the opportunity of doing a better review on a group that, you know, one of my favorite groups. 
and I haven't looked at that review for 45 years, but I tell everybody, true story, that it wasn't so bad that I didn't get a second chance. Yeah, because and, you, you, you... And I got a second chance. You got a second chance, you got a career after. Many chances, yes. Was and, that the first thing you had written publicly? Yes. Now, you had written before, though. You dabbled well, in writing Well, I'd written for things that I had to write for school. Sure, okay. But I'd never written for publication before. And, and nowadays, so. or even, even 30 years ago, if someone had done that, the editor would have sent them back a letter saying, thank you for your interest. Please send us three examples of your previously written work, right. uh, two, two re- letters of reference, and yeah. your high school transcripts. Yeah. And, to and it wouldn't have happened. Nothing would have happened. Yeah. You're getting so, drink all over the board. So it was the right time and the right place, and much respect to the late Harvey Rossler, who was the editor at the time of Sunbums, who gave me that opportunity. Harvey Rossler. Yeah, Harvey Rossler, but that's how it happened. That would never happen today. No, it wouldn't. We were just talking about how, uh, no, it would be difficult to get that first step. Even in in the business of radio, um, it used to be we'd get interns that'd be floating around here. They would come in, and you know they'd help you with, with whatever you needed for the day. But then on occasion... Some DJ wouldn't show up or would show up too hungover to do their shift, and the intern would get the night shift, you know, from like midnight to 4 a.m. And then, you know, four or five years later, you've got a, a, a personality out of it. Oh, yeah. And today there's, there's no interns. There's no overnight person. It's all automation. Yeah. So, uh, so the only way anybody can get a job in radio is they have to know somebody or take somebody's show. Right, Flash? Yeah. I just take it. <laughs> just take somebody's old show. Well, I mean, they finally wanted somebody good. Now, John, if you if you were a young buck today and you did that, not only would that not happen, you just wouldn't even get a response. That's true. But nowadays, there every everybody is a reviewer because everybody can post online. Yeah. And so, thanks, Yelp. Well, no, and and so, and so, as, as with the record business, now anybody can be a recording artist. Anybody can put their music out there. Anybody can be a reviewer. The question is, do you have credibility? Are right. people going to take you seriously when you post something, you know, online somewhere? Do you have clout or do you have enough followers? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. So are you are you keeping up with with technology? Are you on Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook? I am on Facebook. I am learning. I'm very very old school, and it's a fascinating new field. It is, but like you said, everybody on there is essentially a publisher. Exactly. Or, or, you know, they're all self published writers. Yes, just like any any musician can be. A recording artist, and they can put their music on online, and they're a recording artist. And the good side of that is you don't have a record label or a group of record labels controlling access. Mm-hmm. Sort of the downside of it is it can be very hard to find anything because there's so much of it out there. Right. Or anything good. Anything good, yes. There's a lot of stuff that's written without merit. Yes. Wait, Matt is doing work over here, by the he way. He, he, he's delivered four drinks in the past four minutes, Matt. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. You can't call yourself a mixologist. It would take you 20 minutes for one of these things. <laughs> oh, my this God. This right, is I'm so good. Matt, where's yours? Uh, I'm still going to make a few more <laughs> before uh, I start getting it. Oh, my God. All this right. is delicious. <laughs> mm. We haven't talked about music in a while. Wow! Music! Oh! Music! What's the name of this drink again, Matt? The uh, Umimigos. Oh, my God. That is delicious. John, what do you think? I think it's delicious. It's good. And I, I understand what he's saying. You have to be careful. You can't drink too much of it. When you're drinking straight alcohol, you know that it's dangerous. When you're drinking something that's mixed so that it's very tasty and fruitful and flavorful, you have to be careful because... It is the, the downside. It's yeah. like you're drinking Kool-Aid, yeah. and then you go to stand up and go to the bathroom, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. It's like how? Yeah. No, Crown walks into the party and punches you in the face on its way down. It's like, here I am. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah. Let's get drunk. Well, there and there and and I'll say there is, there are of course many many other other beverages that are mm. the same way. Mm-hmm. Any well anything straight anything straight is <laughs> gonna yeah anything yeah. neat. Yeah. God, so it's yummy. Yeah. So you you obviously have an attraction to music. Um, you love you it, said you the word. Yo, John. <laughs> on the ball, John. It's funny uh, how much you and I dropped the ball on that. We do. We, listen to any of the shows. We've missed a few words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you play any instruments? No. Have you ever sang? I sing at home in the privacy of my shower. Okay. So I've, do been sur- I've been surrounded by talented I mean, super talented people for more than 45 years. Like you are in this podcast right now. Go on. And it can be. <laughs> and, and so I realized somebody should be the audience, and nothing is more painful, or few things are more painful, than listening to somebody who can't sing, which is why uh, I've never been a particular fan of karaoke. Okay. So no karaoke for John. No. No instruments. No. Well, uh, that takes discipline. Hold I, on, though. But if you were to karaoke, what would the song be? <laughs> Maybe MacArthur Park by uh, by uh, Richard Harris. Something that requires as little sing actual singing as it's possible. It's more of a of a, yeah. a chant. A you know that song? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a karaoke song because people who sing it can anybody can hit it. Got it. Got it's it. a good one. That'll be a good one okay. for you, John. I like it. Well, you got a lower raspy voice too, so you could almost you know pull, you could almost pull off some smoky. You know, a little bit there, a little bit of that. Uh, that's One of the greatest vocalists in the history of American music. Yeah, John. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, do that. Sing do that. that. Sing that. The more I drink, <laughs> the more I drink, right, the better I think I sound. That's right? it. And the, the more you drink, the, more, fun, the, fun, the, better, the more I drink, the funnier I think I am. So there we go, yeah. And I already think I'm pretty funny. So you it's, do. it's even funnier. You do. We let you get away with that, too. <laughs> that's fun. So uh, why journalism? I mean, it, it almost, it seems to me like uh, you could have gone on a more music-centric career, um, but you were writing. Oh! This, this word's going to kill us by the end of the day. You could go on a more music career, or you, like, why, you hey, hey, Flash. but why, why of all the types of journalism, <laughs> specifically entertainment journalism? It was something I fell into, and once I fell into it, I discovered that I enjoyed it. You loved it. Yeah. You loved it. What was the... Um, what was your favorite concert that you've gone to here in Honolulu? For oh work. my God! After all these years, I don't know that I can say that I have a favorite concert. Top three. One oh. of the most memorable. There you go. Was UB40 in the Blaisdell Arena in the early '90s? The original UB40. By the time the show was over, everyone in the double letter seats were standing on their chairs. Some people are actually standing on the arms of their chairs. Oh, my gosh. And the thing that, that makes it stick out of my mind is it's the only concert that I remember that the ushers just stood back, didn't try to get people to stand on the John, floor. they were they high. They just stood back. They were. It's a contact high, John. Now, one other concert that stands out was the They were f- too immobilized. <laughs> the first time Sam Kinison performed here. Oh, he wow. performed here? Yeah. The first time he performed here, Don Chapman, who at the time was a columnist for the advertiser, said, John, why don't you keep track of how many times in the show Sam uses the F word? (laughs) So I did. (laughs) And it came out to an average of once every 20 seconds for maybe an hour and a half. Oh, my gosh. So if there was a minute, if he got through a whole minute without (laughs) using the F word, he had to use it like 
six times in the next minute. So you have like a notebook with like a yeah, jillion no, check marks. Ser- seriously, <laughs> that's what I did. Along with along with taking you know making some notes about what he was talking about, uh, I kept track of how many times he used the F word. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fun. Once every twenty seconds. An average. An average. An once average, every twenty. Yeah. That's, that's some hardcore journalism right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Asking the hard questions. Asking the hard questions. Um, a lot of great shows, a lot of great venues, um, a lot of great promoters in town. Uh, you actually, uh, uh, you knew uh, Tom Offit pretty well. Yes. You went to a lot of Tom shows. He was a great man. Um, a great promoter and a great guy to, to be around. Yeah, talk about Tom. T- tell us about your, your relationship with Tom. Well, I, I got, of course, I got to know Tom better as years went on. Uh, when When I came into the business, he had already been in the business. He was already a very successful promoter. So our relationship developed over the years. Uh, you know, the better I got to know him, the more we would talk about the business and, and things that were, you know, things that were going on. He loved to talk about the business. Yeah. He loved to talk about the music. He loved all of it, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Music. He, he loved everything about it. Tom Moffat, for those of you that don't know, uh, he's like the godfather of concert promotions in the state. Brought out the Beatles, or yeah, Rolling Stones, I'm sorry, and Elvis yep. in the 50s and the 60s. He brought out the first the first shows to Hawaii. Hawaii was, was literally an island away from entertainment, and uh, he was part of bringing yeah. it all here. Hawaii at the time was just, was just a, a gas station bus stop type of thing for, well, you know, for entertainers. Tom was also one of the pioneers of Top 40 Radio in Hawaii. And when they created the original KPOI radio in, I believe it was 1958 or 1959, I believe that was the first radio station in the country whose call letters actually spelled out a word. Oh, K-Poi, really? The original KPOI huh. with, with Ron Jacobs. And uh, so he was a pioneer of Top 40 radio in Hawaii as well as a concert promoter. He he did a, um, a, a interview piece with me. He talked about how that all happened. Like he he was in the military and he wound up some. Hey, can you to join do this radio thing for a bit? And he loved it. And uh, one thing led to another. I mean, his his whole career kind of laid out itself in front of him as he went through. Uh, and but without his influence, I think music in Hawaii oh. would have been very different. I mean, he paved the way for everybody. Yeah. And he, he showed as a business to artists and booking agents, etc., that it was a viable place to stop and make money. Yes. And he also contributed from the 50s up until at least the end of the 80s as a record producer and as the, eventually the, the president and the owner of two record labels, Blue Water and Paradise. And uh, recorded pop acts and Hawaiian acts. Mm-hmm. And you actually spent some time doing a lot of research on all of this. That's correct. Uh, Twelve years you were working on this book. It was the second edition of Hawaiian Music and Yay! Musicians. Hey, um, Jesus, John. And, Pick a uh, different word next time. I'm dying. <laughs> more than more than 200 people helped me. They shared their knowledge on on different aspects of Hawaiian music. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and, so, and so the book Coke. is just like Hawaiian Hawaiian it's, music. No, it's it's about Hawaiians, but it's also about other aspects of the industry here in Hawaii. There's a chapter or an entry on record labels in Hawaii that covers all the different types of 
Jesus. Music. Yes. And Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and there, there's an entry on on talent contests, which includes uh, the homegrown music contests that uh, brown bags to stardom and, and, and brown like. bags and stardom, brown yeah. bags to stardom, and some of the other talent contests and songwriting contests. So it covers a wide a wider range of things than just Hawaiian, and uh, includes a, there's information on the local acts from Hawaii who actually charted nationally. Such as who? So, like, who? Name some of them. Off the top of my head, Don Ho. Don, of course. Yeah, yeah. Don Ho. Charted. Was he the first? I believe he may have been. Uh, there was Don Ho. There was a group called the High Town DJs. I know them. Yep. Wait, that, they were from Hawaii. They were from Hawaii. You don't big, you big don't tease. No, no, they, I know this. Big song. tease with that it. great line. You want tease between these knees? I believe is how it goes. <laughs> Uh, John, yeah! see what happens when John drinks something other than Crown? <laughs> start the rails start falling off. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So was was Tiny Bubbles? Was that Don Ho's first big hit? I know it was his biggest hit in general, but was that like right out of the that, gate? That was not the first the first song that that uh, Don did that charted, but that did chart quite well for him. Yes. I mean, yeah, that was his yeah. biggest hit, but it wasn't the first. No, no, no. Sonny Burke, who was a mainland record producer, believed that Hawaiian music. Uh, Jesus should yes. be back on the should be back in the national charts. So he came down to Hawaii and recorded a live album on Don Hull that ended up being released as two live albums. And the second of the two live albums charted on the on the Billboard albums chart. And so that was Don Ho's first album to chart. And that did that open the the floodgates um, to another generation of Hull. no, but to record labels and music producers and mainland the mainland music industry that music from Hawaii could make money and be popular? It, it sort of kept, kept the momentum going. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1975, I believe it was, 1974, uh, Bill Thompson got Cecilia and Capono a deal with Columbia. Uh, they did not chart nationally, but you again had a national record label investing in uh, local musicians and but they were, I mean, they sold a ton of records. Yeah, they even did. Even just locally. They did. They, they sold a ton of records. The problem is, in my observation, Columbia didn't know how to market two guys that looked like that east of the Rocky Mountains mm -hmm. when you had other duos who were also doing a similar type mm -hmm. of music. All, even though most, almost everything Cecilio and, and Capone recorded was original. Right. That's true. Also, if you're on the mainline, you think it's like two Mexicans. You wouldn't know. Yeah. You're like, why, why isn't this well, mariachi music? <laughs> well, you, Hawaii's got this, you know, because we're so far away from everything, the influences are limited, you know. So you talk about artists who grew up here, artists who, who experience uh, what some of their favorite artists are. Um, if you lived in, like, say, the Midwest, you know, you've got influences from country. You've got influences from East Coast. You've got West Coast. You've got all these different sounds of music that can happen there. Growing up here, music, by the way. Oh, gosh. Oh. Growing up here, uh, you know, our artists basically are inspired only by what limited. I mean, now, of course, it's different with the Internet. Uh, but back then, you had radio uh, and you had musical instruments, and that was it. Well, one of the amazing things about Hawaiian music, and this was something that, oh, there we go again. Music. Yeah! <laughs> it's a great word, John. One Thanks. of the interesting things that Dr. Kanahele felt was very, very important in the history was that Hawaiians adopted and adapted ideas that came from outside Hawaii. Musical instruments, singing styles, 
and created something that was unique to Hawaii. And then they went out into the world and musicians in other places adopted and adapted what they heard so that Hawaiian music became very, very, very popular. (laughs) John, John, stop talking. (laughs) Drink, Flash, drink. (laughs) So I have a perfect example of that. We had Tavana on whatever, 15 episodes ago. And uh, we did not know this, or I did not know this, is Tavana is a very talented slide guitar player, steel guitar player. And he said that the Southerners, people of the South, actually got the steel guitar sound from Hawaii. It actually originated here. And I did not know that. I thought we actually took it from the Southerners. No. It made me very happy. Episode 22. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yes! Hawaiian musicians touring all over the United States, including the South, introduced the sound of the acoustic steel guitar, and other people picked it up. So you have a black black slide guitar tradition, and you have the country western steel guitar tradition. And there was uh, another uh, researcher who did a book where he tracked the travels of Hawaiian groups through the South and looked for, well, when was the first time that African-Americans were reported to be doing this technique? And it was after the Hawaiians had passed through. Wow. Interesting. So there may be African traditions, mm-hmm. bottleneck guitar. There may be other traditions at play here. But Hawaiians appear to be the ones who introduced the steel guitar sound all over the United States. I, I wish we got more credit for that. Well, you know, I don't even know. Lanai used to, w- was on a, on our show. He was talking about how. No, what oh, episode number was that? I don't know. I have to look it up. <laughs> but he he was talking about how a lot of the the food and in, even wine and things like that they came through Hawaii before they went uh, other places. So these, you know, it, as a shipping stop from the Asian, yeah, from the Asian side, from yeah. the Asian side as a shipping stop. You know, Hawaii got uh, certain foods and stuff first, and then it it went off with a little bit of a, a cultural twist. Hey Matt, you got you made a second drink for us. What's this uh, second drink? Uh, so this second drink is a new addition we have to the menu. It's called the uh, coconut Ave. It's made with two locally distilled rums. The green one. The green one, yes. Okay. Uh, the first locally distilled rum is Kualoa from. Kualoa, that's uh, Kyle's. Kyle Retner's. No, no, no? no. Oh, this is the I'm other sorry. one. The <laughs> The Koloa coconut rum is distilled on Kauai, mm-hmm. and the Kohana agricole rum is that's, distilled oh, that's yeah. right over here in Eva. So right. it's, uh, it's a really nice showcase of two locally distilled rums, uh, incredible amount of fresh mint, also locally grown, uh, fresh lime juice, coconut water. Um, so basically, it's a coconut mojito, like right. elevated. With, with sugar cane with and, sugar cane and, and coconut. And it's agave. great. agave. Uh, I garnish it with the old school coconut candy from the crack seed store. Oh, I love it. As a yes. little little homage to my grandpa. Yeah. He always had it around the house, so it's well, you know, a little cute reminder. Right on. Uh, it's real refreshing. Is this something you, you created? Yes. This is That's awesome. This is tasty, by the way. This tastes way better than a coconut mojito. <laughs> this is like you undersold it. Oh, it's like a coconut mojito. No, 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 no it's no. not. It's it much better. Not. It is much tastier. Yeah, and the great thing about the koloa is it doesn't have that real... Uh, doesn't it have that real sunscreen kind of taste that a lot of coconut rums tend to have? Malibu. It has... <laughs> exactly. And... There goes another sponsor, Maleko. Yeah, that's it, because we're not 18 anymore. <laughs> it's a very nice and light and more natural coconut flavor. 
It is actually so, delicious. Is this on the drink menu? Yes. If anyone, any yes. of the bartenders, it yes, can absolutely, make it? absolutely. They better or they're fired. Very good. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Oh. All right, so Look, John's not even drinking it. He's just smelling it, and he looks confused. I'm, I'm inhaling the, is it the bouquet? The essence. The bouquet. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Great okay. That's good. Or as some people would say, the bouquet. Yes. Flash would That's say That's what I would that. say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've, you've seen um, a lot of artists come through and develop their careers over the past 30, 30-odd years. If you could put together your own super group, Think, think traveling Wilburys or something. You know, you get your favorite musicians and you put them together and you make one band. Just pick a handful of musicians that you'd like to see play together for for one time at least. Well, let's put to, let's start with Jake Shimubakuro mm-hmm. and ukulele and Ledward Kaapana. Okay, and uh, I don't know who the second who's the second guy. Ledward Kaapana is one of the greatest slacky guitarists of the 20th century. I, I'm not being funny, no, but is he still alive? He is still alive. Okay. There are a couple of people I'm thinking, I wish Dennis Kamakahi were still here mm-hmm. so Dennis could play. Uh, Gabby? Would Gabby, well, Gabby, would, Gabby would be, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people. Peter Moon. Yeah. It's not your list, Flash, okay? It's his list. No, 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 but I, I'm saying if you could put together a list of people living mm-hmm. or dead. I mean, right, living there's, or dead. Let's just yeah. take a super group here. I, I could make a list for days. I know. Uh, I'd love to get, I mean, I wish Genoa Keave were still with us. Oh, man. Have Genoa Keave be one of the singers. Uh, there's just, I mean, you kind of, you kind of took, took me by surprise. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't prep you for that you one. Didn't, you didn't prep me for this one. Because Maleko didn't prep you for anything, let's be clear. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's true, Flash <laughs> didn't prep you for this. You know, I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, for example, John Coco playing bass from, from the Makaha Suns. What about drums? Who has deceased. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I know I know who my pick would be for this. Local artist doing drums? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, want, I wish we could have Elvin Fasharong from C and I mean from uh, Kalapana. Oh, okay. Elvin's in, but Elvin's another one that's gone. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. I, I like mean, I like uh, a vocalist. Then let's talk vocalists. Other than Don Ho, uh huh. Of course, Ledward. Ledward Don also. Don Ho's great. Ledward is also a great falsetto singer. Don Ho. Post drunk or Don Ho no, quasi no, this, sober? No, this, no, this, this, Don Ho. This is <laughs> totally like drunk super Don. wasted Don let Ho. Me, let me clear something up. One of the sh- one of the shows, one of the one of the, the Hawaiian groups that I will always remember, one of the, may, maybe my favorite, was Don Ho and the Ali'i's doing the one o'clock uh, weekend late show at what was then called Don Ho's in the international market. One a.m. Yes, from one a.m. to three thirty, it was five dollars for all you could drink. So this, you were this, getting you were this, getting a, a top notch Don Ho. This five dollars all you can drink, but free cocaine. Well, <laughs> if you wanted if you wanted a, a brand name liquor, it was a dollar a shot. But what I, the reason I'm telling you this story is it looked very improv, but it was very well organized. So it was like a local Rat Pack. Yeah, because the Rat Pack had Everybody, that improv most, kind most, of vibe. Most of the of the rooms would be closed by then, so people would come in to perform with Don. Oh, that's awesome. When people would check in at the door. One of the doormen would would use the intercom to tell the light person who who the person was come who the person was what song they wanted to do and what what key they wanted to do it in. Don had a phone on the side of his organ just, before earpieces. Yeah, there's an actual before, phone before, on the before, stage. Before, Hello, before earpieces, <laughs> and he would pick up the phone and he would be talking to he would he would be in the middle of the song he'd be giving instructions to the uh, to the people wow. in the sound booth. 
And so they would be telling him, okay, so-and-so's coming in and they want to do whatever the song was. So there was no dead time when somebody was called up. So he was just there doing his thing, and he'd pick. And he'd be so like, the band needs to have their chops. The elite, they gotta, they gotta know what's because you don't even know what song you're doing next. The elites were, the original elites all joined the Air Force together out of Farringdon High School. They played in an Air Force band, and then they came back, and almost as soon as they, within a year after they came back, they were the original Don Ho and the elites. Most of them came back to work with Don in 1981. So they they were a very experienced group working together. They all could read. They were used to working with Don, and so Don Don could do the drunk shtick. One night he was wearing the elite, one of the Elite's Dolly Parton outfits, with the top pulled down and the Dolly Parton wig on for some reason. But he was a very it's Maleko very, on a Tuesday. He was <laughs> a very day. very sharp, very very intelligent person and a very sh- sharp entertainer. For years, kind of rambling on here a little bit. For years, it's a when, podcast. when he was when he was at the happens. Polynesian yeah. Palace, they would record every show, and then the next day they would listen back to hear what jokes got laughs, what jokes didn't, what worked, what didn't. Wow! And if it didn't, if something didn't work a couple of nights, they'd take it out. But people who thought Don was a drunk didn't really know Don. Didn't I mean, it's really like know. he was like Dean Martin. Yeah, it's it's not. It's a shtick, well, like you I, said. I, it's, I don't. I don't know how drunk Dean Martin actually got. I never met. That's Dean. what I'm saying. But Dean Martin. It, but yeah, it was it, a bit. It, it was when a you bit. read all yeah. the stuff about yeah. Dean Martin, it was all. They were all had a role, yeah. and they were just playing the roles in the Rat Pack. And yeah. Dean wasn't actually drunk. He was. So the moral of the story is, Flash. No one ever really gets drunk except you. I know. I got to rethink this podcast thing. I said so. Just just so you know, none of us are really drinking Cause, except you. Because Matt from Ox is killing it. He's crushing I'm, it. I'm drinking Matt. much. More than an elevated coconut mojito. And he brought you two bottles to take and home. And two bottles of liquor. <laughs> this is so, so don't actually drink? I'm so confused right now. Matt, what's this third cocktail you made us here? Uh, so our third one here is off of our Top Shelf Classics. It's a Rob Roy, we are, which is basically a Scotch Manhattan. We use an 18-year single malt Glen Scotia Scotch. A wonderful Alessio Chinotto sweet vermouth from Italy, um, and just a few dashes of Angostura bitters, and it's just great. You probably enjoy this one. This is my favorite. One. I'm definitely drink. more spirit forward person. Yeah. Out of it's, all the drinks you've made today, this is definitely going to be John's favorite. This is <laughs> this is my favorite drink of the day. This yeah. is tasty. So it's like a Scotch Manhattan. Yeah. It'll you be, taste the Scotch. It'll knock you on your scotch ass. just right there, right. Oh, that's sitting pretty. That's delicious, Matt. Thank you. I've been really getting into the Manhattans in general lately, switching out from the old fashions. You've been drinking old fashions uh, and Negronis forever. Forever, but uh, this the licorice thing I can't do do much of. But this this is this is uh, tasty. What what scotch are you using here? uh, Glen Scotia, eighteen year. Let me just have a little more. Talking to the mic, Matt. Just get it together. (laughs) This is where you go. Just a scotch. Just just a (laughs) scotch. It's an eighteen year uh, Glen Scotia single malt scotch. This is amazing. Thanks for the bottle. This is great. I'm going to keep this. For sure. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, some local acts. Okay. John, let's talk about some of the shows you've seen. Uh, you've, you've, gone, you've gone to see a lot of great shows. You've gone to see um, some, you know, average club nights. Flashy. <sighs> tough, tough. And you've seen some really great touring acts. Yes, I have. Thank you. Let's talk about th- your favorite well, one of the, my most memorable nights actually took took place at the Wave. 
Wave Waikiki for for the, any children Never who, heard may of be, it. who may be listening. No idea. The place was terrible. And <laughs> Grace Jones was performing. Oh! Yes, we're yes. getting right into the Grace Jones story. Yes. Excellent. We were going to ask you about this, but well, you're you're ahead of the curve here. Grace Jones was performing, and my recollection is she was wearing a metal breastplate <laughs> that covered part of. I mean, covered enough of her that that she was legally covered. But she was drinking red wine, and she was letting the wine. She was filling her mouth with wine. Was this? Seventies or eighties? This would have been eighties. Okay. Now, just so you know, uh, uh, Flash. It's my name. No, Jack. Jack from the Wave. Jack Law, episode fourteen on the podcast. He talked about this yes. night as yes. well. So I can confirm that she was wearing what you just said okay. because he said that. Go on. Well, it was memorable for me because she was she was filling her mouth with with red wine and letting the red wine spill out from her mouth and run down her face and run down her chest. <laughs> And then there were guys and lots of men in the audience actually running to the front of the stage, and she was spitting wine on them. Oh my and gosh. these people were just pushing and shoving to get close enough that they could get spit on by Grace Jones. Oh my gosh. It's the original Steve Aoki trick. <laughs> just stand close to the stage, and I'm going to throw crap in your face. Oh my gosh. And you're going to like it. And you're going you're gonna to beg it. for it. It's funny because that's also. One of Jack Law's most memorable moments mm -hmm. at the Wave. He shared the, that story. I shared that exact story same story. Well, it's amazing. It amazed me too. That's fantastic. And I the idea, I, it had never occurred to me that my night would not be complete <laughs> if she didn't spit on me and I didn't go down to fight for it. So but you didn't get any wine? I did not you? get spit on. No, I uh, see. So <laughs> that's uh, a memorable national act moment. Yeah. What would be, and it doesn't, have, whatever, top three, whatever you want, uh, local live performance. Yeah. Must-see performance. Performance that. Uh, moments or memories. That you enjoyed writing about and recalling well, later. I almost always enjoyed the Society of Seven at the Outrigger Main Showroom. They, I think they were very underrated as a whole. They were, they were an exceptional variety act. They could do just about everything uh, from impressions to Broadway to pop hits. And Bruno guested uh, as the little Elvis on their thing I, once or twice, I believe. Well, okay. I'm, 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 yeah. This it's is quite, a fact. It's, it's quite possible that he did. Yeah. But one of my favorite recollections <laughs> of that group, well, to, to, first of all, when little Albert Maligmut was with them, he was formerly of the Rocky Fellers, yeah. uh, he would do a version of Summertime. I believe Billy Stewart was the first person to do it this way, but this big rock version of Summertime, uh, and Albert could play bass guitar as well as drums, so he would come in to be playing, playing bass on this, and this was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was just a tremendous amount of power. But uh, June Polistico, who replaced uh, Roberto Niavera as one of their lead vocalists, would do an impression of Frank Sinatra. And so there were times when June would, June would end the impression segment singing My Way by Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. But if he was in the right mood, he would end it by saying, more, much more than this, I did it sideways. And he wouldn't break character. He would just sing it and keep going. And deadpan. He, you could see him deadpan, and you'd kind of see him looking to see if anybody had paid any attention and notice. <laughs> and, of course, some of us did. <laughs> It's like, this was, it's where like, was this showroom? This was at this, the, this, the, the Society of Seven. The main showroom is where Blue Note is now. Okay. No, but upstairs. No, it, oh, no, Blue Note is upstairs. Same, yeah, same yeah, 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 yeah. 
And on closing nights, the old Society of Seven would plan stunts to play on each other. <laughs> and so when somebody was singing, the band might change key in the middle of the song, or somebody would come out in the wrong costume deliberately, or they'd have some of their friends in the audience create a disturbance of yeah. one kind or another. I mean, Society of Seven had a lot of special guests pop yeah. in unannounced all the time, too, yeah. right? Yeah. How long did that show run? They were there from 1969 until the early 2000s. And at that point, Tony wanted to go live in Las Vegas, so he created another group, a younger version, called the SOS Las Vegas. And the idea was they were going to play in Las Vegas, and the old SOS was going to stay here. And then the old SOS went to Las Vegas, and the new SOS came here. Ah. And they kept on going for several more years. But the SOS Las Vegas became the group that was playing here in Waikiki. But since Tony was writing the shows and producing the shows, it was almost the same group doing the same type of things, except seven younger guys. Just younger guys. Yeah. yeah. And then that show finally ended. And the room sat empty for a while. Yeah. Long uh, time. Before it was, uh, I think, uh, Andy Blumenthal did his show out of there for a minute or two. They had a luau show in there for a minute or two. And before they finally uh, chucked it and redid it as the Blue well, Note. Well, yeah, Blue Note came in, and Blue Note has the financial resources and the international reputation yeah. to, to build something which they have and sustain it, which they are. And they've made it a very nice showcase for local musicians as well as the, the national acts that they bring in. This uh, leads me to a question I've been wanting to ask, which is there was a time when a Society of Seven local variety show could sell every night in Waikiki. And I think the entertainment scene has changed in where as talented as they were, if they came on the scene now, I don't think that would sell tickets. People want the Blue Note type act. I feel like the, the entertainment scene, at least locally, has changed in that that kind of Society of Seven variety act um, isn't something that would be sustainable. Well, it's ch the entertainment scene has changed tremendously. How so? Uh, well, 40 years ago, basically, we, d we didn't even have VCRs. Some of the old people remember. So you couldn't even record shows off of a television and watch them later. And now everything we need is on our phone. On demand. And it's on demand, so you don't have to leave your house and you can be entertained 24 mm -hmm. hours a day. Uh, raising the, the uh, drinking age, cut the bottom out of, out of the, the club market. Mm -hmm. And that was in 86? That was in the 80s. 85, 86, they raised the that drinking age from 18 idea. to 21. And uh, we have a different type of visitors now. People, people go to bed early. Mm -hmm. uh, when, the, uh, you know, in, when the Society of Seven were there in the 80s, 70s and 80s, they did two shows a week at, I believe it was 9 and 11, and a third show on weekends. Yeah. And now the Blue Note starts shows at 6.30 and 9. Yeah. Because it's, people go to bed earlier. And by do. the way, this old fart thinks, I'm like, 9 o'clock for a show? That's late. I'm going to the 6.30. Yeah. You get out of a 9 and it's like 11. Yeah. Whatever. Another, another thing, very, very, <laughs> very, very, very <laughs> briefly, back in the 70s, most of the people on Oahu lived between Aina Haina and Pearl City and, and Kailua and Kaneohe. So it was much easier for someone to go to work, go home, go to Waikiki in the evening, and go, go back and go to work the next day. Yeah. Nowadays, with people scattered all over the island, 
no one wants to sit in no one who's going to sit in in traffic for an hour or 45 minutes each way to work is going to go back into town to yeah. do anything John, also what's left unsaid is the drugs back then were much better than now, so you could power through a late show and then go to work the next day. No? Just me? Okay. That's fine. That's fair. <laughs> Sorry, John. Flash, Flash goes off on his tangents every once in a while. Is this a flashback? It's a- <laughs> oh, boy. How long have you been holding that one in your pocket? John, you, you're into other things. You've got uh, you've got the the article that you write every week. Uh, you're always talking about the scene. Tell tell them about the uh, the the column so people promote it. We do well. So you've got the column. It's it's Sundays. It, every Sunday, I do a, a personality profile called "On the Scene with," where we profile somebody that is interesting, such as myself, such, such as such as Flash. Yeah. Uh, and the, when, when was your feature? Uh, three weeks ago, three weeks or a ago, month ago, ago, I don't know, whatever. Uh, on Sunday, we're gonna have we're gonna be profiling Ginny Chu. Oh, okay. Who uh, pianist? Pianist who who will be celebrating her sixth anniversary playing at a local restaurant. I I guess we can name it. Sure. Okay. Fifty three by the sea. Oh, yeah. nice. John, no one listens to this show, and we have no sponsors, so go okay. crazy. Yeah. All right. The first time I saw her play, she was at the Hilton Wine Village. And it's she the first was doing... time Matt's laughed the whole day is when I said no one listens to the show. Thanks, Matt. Ginny T was playing a, a dueling piano set with Noli Pa'a at Hilton Hawaiian Village. I love the dueling piano. And they would, thing. and it was, it was, you know, Donald and Daffy yep. Duck. It was, it was hysterical. Uh, they would do a great balls of fire thing where by the end of it, uh, Noli Pa'a was kicking this, the, the chair off the, the, the stage and where, wh- banging where, with his feet. Where at the Hilton? There's a slipper shop there now. There used to be a little showroom. Like as you walk into the valet, to the right, there used to be a little showroom there. And now it's okay. it's a little yeah. market or something. All right. Yeah. So history's gone. Anyway, so yeah. she's she's been doing this for a little bit. Yeah. So... Uh, a lot of people remember her as as the lead Chinese girl in the Elvis Presley movie Girls, Girls, Girls. Mm. A can, lot of people, John, really? I, I, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, she she was a guest at Elvis Week last month in Matt, Memphis. Matt shaking his head. I, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you can find know your it, audience, John. You, <laughs> you can find it on YouTube if you really want to see it. All right, we'll find it. But anyway, so every week, every week I, I do a profile on someone. I do yeah. local record reviews every Friday mm-hmm. in the TGIF section, and I do feature stories on uh, very you know people who are going to be doing things, people who are coming to town. I just did a review on pageant over at Monroe Valley Theater. You do theater reviews. I do too. theater reviews. Oh my do, god! Do those come oh. out on special days or what? Wait, what? Because Maleko is he calls himself an thespian and actor at the Manoa Valley Theater. Have you ever reviewed any of Maleko's shows and what do you think about his acting go? <laughs> if I I think I did. Weren't weren't you the weren't you the uh there you were, yeah. <laughs> no. Were, weren't you one of the uh the Spanish brothers or uncles or Yeah. And, and I liked your work. You did. Uh, yeah. it was it was a show called The Female Version of the Odd Couple. Okay. By uh uh Neil Simon. And um he uh, basically they reversed it. Usually it's it's Alex and 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 the, you know, the odd couple story. Yeah, right? yeah. There's two guys. Yeah. Well, they flipped it around. It was two women. Right. And the whole cast was women. But halfway through at the second act, these two Spanish brothers who are referred to the whole show come in, and I was one of them. Arriba. Um, and ay, 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 ay. I apologize to the to the cast, but mm. I stole the show. 
Oh, God, John. Because John wrote Please put the him article. in his place. John wrote the article. Now, remember, I pl- I'm on stage for five minutes of this two-hour show. Sounds John's right. article starts off with, who knew Maleko could act? No! Yeah, yep. something like that. Oh! It was great. Hold on, John, is this true? It, it is true. It oh, is true. my God. How much did he pay you? No, he didn't pay me. I had no I idea he could act. He hey, didn't. it was it was. A I don't either, race. and I've seen him in about three plays now. <laughs> it was fun because we saw the review, and I saw the review, and I thought, "Oh shoot!" I was going to say, "Do you feel when you when you read that review and you're in the show for five minutes, and it's John Berger starts off with you? Do you feel good, or do you feel oh no, if you, embarrassed quietly or? and and at home and with friends and family? I'm like, yes, he loved it. But then, like around the rest of the cast, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, he mentions you here." <laughs> Like right about here. Take a look. Uh, third column. See third third paragraph. Well, what they probably all thought to themselves was, "What does John Berger know about theater?" That's it. But you you know a lot about theater. Yeah, well, you go to a lot of theater. But you go no, to a lot no, of everything. Nobody ever questions a reviewer's competence when the reviewer says they're good. That's true. But when a reviewer says that they're not good or doesn't like what they do, then it's, well, who is this person? <laughs> who do they think they are? What are their qualifications? What do they know? And that's just how things are. Yeah. And that's, like- that's where you get into the Yelp reviews and mm-hmm. everyone's a yeah. blogger and all that with no yeah. integrity, no leg to yeah. stand on. But if you have credibility, then you can say whatever you want. Right. Well, I think it's important for a reviewer to be consistent and to be fair. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like, say, you don't like toilet humor when person A does it, then you can't all of a sudden like toilet humor just because person B does it. But that's, you right. just described everybody. What, toilet Everybody humor? likes when certain people do toilet humor and when other people don't. When, when other people do it, then it's not funny. But when certain people do it, then it's funny. Everyone, I think, Maybe thinks that you, way. Maybe Flash. Yeah, again, in your own world there, buddy. Really? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I consider it the lowest form of it. It's infantile, literally, because mm-hmm. it's what... Like infants, kids, preschoolers love toilet humor. Literally. So, so yeah. John. Literally toilet humor. John, do you want to pull my finger or no? <laughs> I think I'll move out to the other side of the studio. There you uh, go. Uh, so, John, yeah. when you go into a Manoa Valley theater, which is very tiny, mm-hmm. and you've got half a dozen actors on stage, and they can clearly see you. Oh, we know when he's there. In the audience. Well, it's yeah, dark. What's, There's what's, lights in their eyes. He's wearing and, and all and black. He's wearing all black. And he and does. Yet, he goes in the back corner. But your bright but white hair stands known. out. His presence so is known. What's, what's the vibe when you go in and review a show or a, whatever it is that you're reviewing? Everybody knows you. You're the guy. I think most people realize that I'm going to be fair. I never go to something intending to hate it. I don't have a quota of negative reviews to do. I don't feel that I have to show off my knowledge or my supposed knowledge Mm -hmm. by saying this sucks or that sucks just because I'm so cool because that's not how I think. And I think there are also people who who will read something I write and they may say, well, if he doesn't like it, I probably will. Or they'll say, well, he doesn't like it, but I'm going to go see it anyway. Or he said this and my friend on, you know, Twitter said something else. Mm Mm-hmm. The days when a reviewer, I, th- I think some of my older colleagues may may not really have learned this yet, but I think the days when a negative review could kill something in this town are gone. But what's the reaction from the from the artist, from the entertainer, when they see John Berger? Can I, can I step in on this? In the room, because I don't know that you would necessarily know because you're gone at curtain. 
We don't see him after the show. John is gone, so he may not know. But so, so his presence that, is known. So, like five, yeah. ten minutes to show, you know, there's people running around backstage. Some, someone will come by, and then the house manager will, will, you know, stroll by the doorway, not even stop into the dressing room, but just walk past the doorway and go, "Burgers here," and that's it. And now you yeah. know, no pressure, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure. But it's getting reviewed tonight. So, you, and when, the thing is, there are other reviewers, there are other people who do it, but nothing really matters so much as Burger's here. And if he's not here, and it's like, oh, I wonder if he's at Diamond Head. Or I wonder what other uh, shit, what else could he have done tonight especially other like than be here? On an opening night or a media night, night if yeah. he's not there. Because he can't be everywhere. So, once, that, but. so that one review in your entire no, life that was good when John reviewed you and you were in them for five minutes it was, and he it was said it was good. It was a perfect symphony of everything. It was great. But you knew, like the cast knew ahead of time that he was going to be there. We knew he reviewing. was there. We yeah. didn't know he was going to be there because you never know. Uh, but one, if he's there, that means the show's worth something because he's there. Right. He doesn't show it's up. It's worth to, the review, good or bad. It's worth the review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then, you know, he leaves right away, so you never know. You never get to see his face. I always thought I could see him afterwards and be like, what does he look like? Is he happy? Did he leave? Okay, but so. He's gone. But when you're, when you're out there for your, however long you're out on stage, are you like, where, oh, no, you where is he in the audience? Or, no? I don't because know. He's, he's doing his job. He's acting. He's interacting with the other members of the cast. He doesn't yeah. have time. Have you to met Maleko's ego? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Don't superimpose your ego onto mine. John, what else do you do? What do you, uh, what do, you do for fun? At the end of a long <laughs> week, I go home. And drink Crown? No, I don't drink at home. Do you binge Netflix? No. No? Do you, is it? It sounds very boring. Basically, I do housework. I, I'm working on the third edition of Hawaiian Music and Musicians. And, oh, you're uh, working on a third book? Yes. Then. Okay. Just updating it? Yes. Okay. A lot of things have happened since 2012. Sure. This is true. So you're you're probably like us. We're out all the time, events all the time, but they're kind of like more obligations than like, oh, this is going to be fun. So when you need to go out, which I'm guessing is like every night. Well, not not anymore, no. But yeah. But I mean, are you? do you look forward to it? Or are you like, oh my God, no, I'd rather be on my couch? It is always an honor to be invited to something. Even if it's just this podcast? <laughs> Including this great podcast, but it, it's always an honor to be invited to something. And I think anybody in media, any yeah. reviewer who really feels that it's become a chore mm. to go out or who doesn't want to go out should step aside and let somebody else do it. So you never feel yeah. like, oh, not tonight, I'd rather stay at home, but I got to go m- watch Maleko and his five stupid minutes on stage. I'm sure you feel like that sometimes. But well, I mean, there, there look at John. John, John, you John. feel like that sometimes. No, yeah. I feel like that all the time. But you're the guy. You like you go to everything. So, I, but I'm not surprised. anymore. Yeah, maybe not. No, no. You, I think we're all in this. Well, I can't speak for you, but I think you and I are in the same boat. John's where been doing like, this longer than us, and he still goes to these events. What's your excuse? I'm old. No. You're I'd old. rather I'd rather drink at home and sit on my couch. Yeah. I don't know. I'm lazy. How do you rally? I'm burned secret? out. Hold burned on. out. Hold I think on. is the question. All right, is stop that. talking. All what's right. What's your secret <laughs> then? What, the, the rally. What gets What gets John? Do you go straight from work? Is that the secret? You don't go home until usually I go straight from work. That, of, that's of course, I think that's of course a key. on weekends. I, I I'm going from home to where sure. wherever it is, but I still enjoy meeting new people, learning about things I wouldn't know about before. Uh, I would have known about otherwise. I don't want to be one of those people who goes through life thinking that every everything that happened after high school or everything that happened after college sucks. Yeah. Uh, who only listens to get ready guys. The music. Yeah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
they were listening to in high school or college, everything yeah. after that sucks. Because it's easy if you don't expose yourself to new things. If you aren't listening to new things or, or reading new things, obviously you don't find out about them. We were talking yeah. about this earlier with the, with, the, with the new technology. The opportunity to learn about new technology is a great opportunity to have. And if you're able to go some, go to something and learn about it and you don't have to pay to do it, you're getting that opportunity, you're a very fortunate person. So what's, what's the coolest thing you've done or the coolest show you've been to in the last five years then? I thought you were going to say in the last five minutes. Oh. <laughs> Self-serving. Yes, five minutes, John. Yeah. What's the coolest <laughs> show you've been on? <laughs> yeah, with Flash Not and Maleko. this one. <laughs> <laughs> Remember five minutes ago when I went to the bathroom? Yeah, yeah that was great. Yeah. Was no, but so time. in the last five years, because we've been reminiscing and going way yeah. far back, but in the last five years, what have you been excited to go to or just like, Hold wow, knock your socks off? Better question. Did you get Bruno Mars tickets? No. <laughs> Can you get See? us Bruno Mars tickets? Did you try? No, you didn't. No, because how it works for John is if they do it right, is he gets invited with a media pass, which mm -hmm. they absolutely have media passes for at least the chronologically the first show because they want you to review the first show so they can talk about the other two shows. I, I didn't get any passes. So somebody from the newspaper. You're not real media, but. That's somebody fine. from the newspaper may review or probably will review the first Bruno Mars show. If it's not you. If it's not me, it, it, could, be, be, it could be Elizabeth. It could be somebody who just really, 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 really. Wants to go see Bruno Mars for free and knows how to work the office politics. Uh, or okay. there is no media passes and it's who in the office has tickets. You're reviewing the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. No, no. no one has tickets. Flash. We've talked about. This. I know. This is, no one bought tickets. You know, we had Maddie Boy on last week and uh, no one has tickets. They sold 100,000 tickets. No one has tickets. No one in Hawaii has tickets. We don't understand. But somehow these shows have mysteriously sold out and nobody knows anyone with tickets. Oh, there you go. I cry foul, sir. Bitter party of yeah. one. <laughs> so last five years, who's, who's, who's blown you away in the last five years, besides Maleko's five minutes besides on stage? Besides Maleko's Supposedly, yeah. allegedly. It's pretty good, though. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to have me back for another one of these parties to get yes. the answer to that. I love really? it. Really? Because it. I need to think about it. Yeah, I guess you could you say prep them. Okay, so then to me that means nothing has really knocked your socks off because if in the last five years you'd be like, oh my god, it was. Well, then I'll, okay, you want one off the top of my head? Okay, uh, there was a local actor named Garrett Holes was the star of oh. a movie, I mean, the star of a play called The Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. He played seven or eight different characters. He played them all brilliantly, male, men and male. Male characters and female characters. So if you want one off the top of my head, that's it. Diamond Head Theater last spring. Yeah, Garrett Halls, by the way, great actor, accidental actor. The guy was he was he was there at an audition with someone else, not there to audition. That classic story got picked up, and uh, and it turns out he's fan freaking tastic. Actor. So on a scale of one to Maleko, how good is this guy? Oh, this guy is, is ten Malekos. Ten Malekos. Yeah. <laughs> he's way better than he's I am. He's ten Malekos. Good. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. All right. All right. John, what's your music collection like? Do you, you, you play on vinyl, CDs? I have, um, as when I was working on Hawaiian music and, oops, there we go again, guys. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, when I, I was it. working on the book, I got <laughs> an example of every type of, let's say, platform that music has been sold on okay. since plastic cylinders were invented at the beginning of the, of the 
Really? Of the of the nineteen of the nineteen of hundreds. Um, real to real. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and and then um, Kim Taylor Reese took a picture of all of these different platforms for the book. Uh, I have. Let's see. I have vinyl. I have real to real tapes. A, a few. I've got lots of cassettes. Lots of CDs. Um, so yeah, that, all that. What do you prefer? Well, I've gotten accustomed to the convenience of just being able to listen to it on a phone or a computer. Mm, okay. Uh, so I mean, you're not, not not a real audiophile then. You're not like, oh, well, I, I like don't the have, richness if I, of if this. If I had time, if I had time to sit at home with headphones on, yeah, of course, vinyl. Is it true what vinyl. they say that vinyl is the best sound? I'm not an audio expert. That's what I've been told. But, I mean, to you, to your ears, what sounds best of all those different formats that you have the music on? I would have to listen to all of them and let you know. Mm-hmm. Evading the question. Well, he did just say if he had a choice, he would listen to vinyl. Yes. So, we got that. On headphones. On headphones. On the headphones. Nice. With, a, with a glass of crown. With a glass hand. of crown. Yeah. And the Molecular and Flash podcast, nowhere near to be found. Definitely not. No. Although I did just get him to subscribe. He did just subscribe to the podcast. So we he, have one more subscriber he, this week. He did what? Yeah, none of our guests have done that yet, by the way. No. You're the first one. He did what again? He subscribed. Subscribed. Matt, give him another drink. He can still quasi-pronounce subscribe. <laughs> That's it. I've already <laughs> had all of these drinks, by the way. It's fantastic. We've all had at least three of Matt's signature cocktails, and Maleko can still quasi-say subscribe. Matt, you're failing. Skosh. Skoshy. Skoshy. John... How can people uh, connect with you? What's the best way? I, we, we've talked about this in the past. If if you take a photo of somebody, you will not mail it to them. You will what? not. You will not email it to well, them. Well, I can email it to them now. You could. You could. Okay. Yeah. But you prefer not to. But well, you, no. What when I when I was taking picture when I take pictures for the paper, mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing the photo column, I w- it, those photos were considered a work for hire. So oh, the okay. newspaper. So you weren't just it. handing those out. No. Then. Okay. Uh, now, when I take a picture with, with my phone, I'm not taking it for the paper, so I can share it. Oh, you can do it that way. Yeah. Okay. So people want to connect with you. Uh, you don't really use social media. You kind of do. You're on Facebook, you say? I'm on Facebook, but the best way to reach me is on my email. Okay. Old, old-fashioned email. Yep. Flash, get ready to write it down. Hmm. Flash has it memorized. Mm-hmm. My yes, last I name's, do, actually. My last name spelled backwards. Okay. So that's R-E-G-R-E-B-808. At gmail.com. Okay. So just for the record, John Burger yeah. is not spelled like the burger that you eat. It's B-E-R-G-E-R. Right. So if you're searching John Burger on Facebook, remember it's B-E-R-G-E-R. That is all. That's it. Just throw that out there. Just a the correction on that. That's good. Yeah. I, That's it. I, I want people That's to important. check Thank them you. out. Good. All right. Well, thanks for coming in, John. Thank you for having me on the show. This has been great. Is there anything you want to ask us? I think, don't look at me. He's clearly just wants you to ask him questions. <laughs> well, then when's your next five minutes of fame going to be on, on stage? It'll be a while. I, the, the TV thing takes too much time. It's uh, waking up at 2.30 in the morning makes, makes staying up till 10 o'clock at night almost impossible. Because that's what's so crazy about these Manoa Valley theater things that he does. It, it'll be like a two-week run or three-week run, but you're doing rehearsals for months. Yeah, rehearsals go for several months, and they go to like 10 o'clock at night. And, and no one's getting paid. Right. <laughs> it's like this podcast, John, yes. only with more work <laughs> and no alcohol. I want you to know if this podcast took that many hours, I wouldn't do it. 
Yeah. This is, this is about as much effort as I could put into right. you this week. But, I mean, thanks to Matt, <laughs> at least we've got free liquor. Yes! John, thanks for coming in. John Berger, everybody. John Berger, everybody. Hey. And we've got Matt from Brilliant Ox. Matt, when do you work at Ox? Um, you'll find me there every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday night. What, for, what, what time? What does that mean? Uh, I'm usually there between 4.30 and 10. On the weekends, we are open late night, so we are open till 2. So of the three drinks that you served us today, if I'm walking into Brilliant Ox for the first time and I sit at Matt's bar, which one drink should I order? Ooh, uh, I don't know. For me, I'm a very spirit-forward drinker, so I would go with a Rob Roy. I love mm-hmm. scotch. I love booze. <laughs> so it's I'm tasty. very... Definitely do that if you want a really mm-hmm. viscous drink. Now, or if so, you if you just want something that'll sneak up on you. Okay, right. So and if you know. want something really sweet, well, that was the strawberry one that he lifted up. Uh, Maleko, this is a podcast, so if you just lift up a drink, no <laughs> one knows what that is. But if you, want, if you like the sweet stuff, then the coconut mojito. But I think, John, am I correct? Of all three drinks, you like the scotch, the Rob Roy the yeah. best, and you like that the best? Yeah, that one was really good. I like that one the best, too, so... Four alcoholics agree that the one with it's the strongest, with the least amount of sugar and most amount of alcohol, and it is the best one. So, Matt, where can we follow you and Ox on socials? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Maddie the Manicore and the Brilliant Ox, and both on Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. Stop by and check it out. It's the old Pearl location. Just don't go in there looking for Flash because he doesn't work there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I never worked there, but you kind of did. I just threw a party on Fridays occasionally, a couple of years. Mainly just, shut up, Matt. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, John. Thanks, You're Matt. Welcome. Great to have you guys here. John is does not think that he's, we're funny. He's not all. amused And at he's all. 27 drinks in. He still doesn't think we're funny. All of this. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> next week, every Wednesday, with a new episode. Maybe Lindsay Fucano next week. Maybe not, after she hears what Flash has been saying about her. Uh, and who knows? Maybe Yui will show up. It was, check out a new show every Wednesday afternoon on my blog at star1019.com. The iHeart app, iTunes is where we best recommend that you yeah. listen to the show on iTunes. Just search the Maleco and Flash podcast really anywhere you listen to a podcast. But truly, we found through trial and error that the iTunes is really the best place to listen to it. It is. And uh, so just note, because last week we said Justin Park from Bar Leather Apron was going to be on the show this week. Yeah. He's he- busy spending his $10,000 <laughs> winning money from winning the best Mai Tai. For the third time, yeah. yeah. Um, he he ended up being out of the country today, and he will be on the show October 17th. Justin Park, owner and master mixologist of Bar Leather Apron, uh, October 17th. And owner of the world's best Mai Tai three times. Three times. We're going to talk all about that. Thanks for watching. Or listening. This isn't KITV. Clearly. <laughs> Special mahalo to Tito's for making us funnier. <laughs> and uh, for Naomi Hazelton for being hot. At Pacific at, Edge Magazine. That's sure fine. <laughs> and uh, look, how do I win my flask cap? I already forgot because I've had too much Tito's. All right, so if you want to win your very own flask cap, which is the new way to enjoy a beverage doing your favorite activity, here's what you've got to do. Take a picture of you doing something awesome that would be 10 times more awesome if you had a flask cap while you were doing it. So it could be a picture of you hiking Cocoa Head. Yeah. Maybe a picture of you on the beach. Uh, Maybe surfing. Maybe if you were on a boat. Ideally, somewhere where... 
maybe you're not supposed to have the alcohol. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it wouldn't be the appropriate thing. Yeah. Please don't send a picture of, of you driving. But if you're a passenger, is that okay? If you're riding in a there lift, you go. absolutely. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Of you riding in a lift, absolutely. So take a picture of you doing something awesome that would be 10 times more awesome with a flask cap, hiding five ounces of your favorite liquor, where you can mix it up and have a good time. Hashtag Maleco and Flash. Hashtag Flask Cap. That's, flask Cap. Yeah, that's F-L-A-S-K-A-P. If you put those two flash tags or those two hashtags, <laughs> <laughs> I just came up with a new yeah, word for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> flash tags. Put those two hashtags on your post, and uh, we will pick a winner every week to win a flask cap. How dope is that? And if you want to win it, just post it now, and we'll let you know via the Insta. Do it. Hey, that's it. So if you liked what you heard, which, which is unlikely, but that's fine. <laughs> but if you did, tell your friends. Yes. How would I tell my friends? How how does this iHeart app podcast thing work? Really, really good. Look up. You <laughs> see you see those three dots at the top of the screen there on the right. Click that. That's the uh, the okay. share button. Check. Got and it. then you can uh, email it. You can text your friends. You can copy the link. You could post it on social media. Yeah. Just post it on social media. We don't I'll, want I'll you sh- to text your friends or email them. We want every we want as many people mm-hmm. to know about this as possible. So yeah. don't be shy. And don't forget to follow us on social. I'm at DJ Maleko. I'm at Flashy808. That's Flashy with two E's. Or I guess if you turn the still talking. If like, you turn the push up. notifications on on your on your app, then it will automatically tell you. I'm not listening. That there's I've a new show coming up. Left the room. <laughs> no one cares. Oh, I so want to hear more. <laughs> hey! 